Amen. Okay, if you want to turn in your Bibles, and uh, in your Bibles, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 4. So Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Um, you know how every, well I don't know, but most preachers have their signature thing about them, you know, or their, their signature sermon. This for me is, is, is my signature sermon. The journey that God's been leading me on for most of my Christian walk has been entwined knowingly or unknowingly, into this verse and this verse into me. Because there's such wonderful things in this simple verse, which, um, which I'm ready, have I? It said, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and without sin in his presence. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and without sin in his presence. Now, in a verse like this, there's this wonderful theology that's all, all bound up in this. But, but sometimes we can be too clever for our own good that we don't even see the glaringly obvious point of this whole passage of Scripture. God chose me in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless and without sin. For what purpose? To be in his presence. That's it. You see, I, I, as you, some of you know, I run a, a prayer school every Thursday. And this week I made them meditate on this particular passage of scripture. And one of the things that, that kind of... When people meditate on scripture, the answers that they come out of their meditation reveals more about them than they probably realise. Oh, I've got to be careful because you go, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm there, a few others here, those guys, and so like, oops. And sometimes, there were some people that, that, mem uh, that, that meditated on this scripture, and for them it was all about their function, and their form, and their purpose. You know, well, you know, I feel like I'm this, so I can do that, and I can do this, and God created me so I can do that, and do this, and do that, and do, 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 do. And it's glaringly obvious that something is not right. And as, as, a, as this person was speaking, I, I got this impression instantly of a donut. Now, there are two types of donuts. Okay, so what kind of donut are you? Because you're going to be a donut. Right? You've got to pick which kind of donut you are. Okay, there is the nice uh, round donut with pink, pink, pink sprinkles and uh, all that kind of stuff, and it looks very nice. Mm -mm. That's a charismatic, tongue-speaking Christian, you know, whatever, born again. There, I'll put that one there. And then you've got another kind of donut, which, is fit, which is, doesn't have a hole in the middle, but it's full of custard. Okay, you know those ones? Or maybe you prefer jam or the ugh, chocolate ones. Ugh, that's just too much. But you, you're either going to be one of those kind of donuts. But the... the but what came to my mind in that moment was probably not all of Christendom, but many Christians are the ringed donuts in that they're pretty, they're functional, they, they're born again, they're saved, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
but their, 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 their reality is based on their function and based on their form and based on their calling and based on what they do for Jesus. A purpose-driven Christianity. I'm not mocking the title to a book that was written called Purpose Driven Christianity. That's not what I'm talking about. But it, it, in itself, it encapsulates something which I think is wrong with modern day Christianity. Purpose driven, purpose led Christianity. It should be intimacy led, intimacy purpose driven Christianity. And so the two types of donuts is you've got one with a big hole in the middle. Because they're driven by purpose, they're driven by form, they're driven by what can I do for Jesus. Whereas the, uh, the custard-filled donut doesn't think like that. The custard-filled donut's like, for me, everything comes from a place of intimacy with Christ. Because without that intimacy, you see, this, this, this is what I find really alarming and I think is one of the reasons why we see a lot of problems in leadership, in burnout and depression, it's because a lot of leaders are like, are like the round donut with the hole in the middle. They're purpose-driven. They're doing all these things for Jesus, you know, and all these... I remember being once in this, this place and I had to do three services one day and someone said to me, man, you must be holy because you've, you've just done three services. It was a joke, but she kind of meant it. That's purpose-driven Christianity, works-based Christianity. Like, if I do this or if I do enough of this, and, then maybe... And it's like, no. The purpose that you have been chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the earth is to be in his presence. Not to be an evangelist. Don't get me wrong. You know, we need evangelists. But I'm saying everything must come from the place of knowing God. So the question you want to start thinking about today is what kind of donut am I? Am I one that's got lots of gooey stuff in the middle? Or am I one that looks pretty, but has actually got a big hole in the middle? Because there, you know, another thing that we do on the prayer school is, it was interesting that people from different denominations, or from different churches when they come, have different answers. And so there was, there was a group of people from another church, and, and it always seemed again that it was for them, their intimacy was based on what they did. That is not how we should be living our lives. Everything that we are in Christ Jesus must come from the place of intimacy with him and everything else spans and spreads out from that. Anyway, so let's get into some theology here for a little bit because that would be good for us to do, wouldn't it? Um, so God chose us in Christ. Well, what does that mean? God chose us in Christ. So God being father, God the Father chose us in God the Son, which takes us back to Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image. In other words, this is the divine Godhead that are coming together. And it's as much the, the Son's purpose and much the Son's decisions it is in the Father's as in the Spirit. And so God purposed through his Son and the royal and the Godhead and they declared that every one of you that are sat here today should know him before the foundation of the earth, before time and space even began, before anything came into being on, in this natural plane, you were already chosen. 
If you turn with me to um, Psalm 139. Because obviously now we're flirting with things like the predestination of God versus the foreknowledge of God. And verse 16 of Psalm 139 says, Your eyes saw the course of my days. They were all recorded in your book before any of them came to be. Everything you've ever said, everything you're ever going to do, anything in your whole entire life has already been written in a book. It's already been done. It's already been written. Oh, now that raises some theological fundamental problems, doesn't it? Does that mean I'm just, whatever I do, I'm just destined to do what's already been written? Or was what was written because God in his foreknowledge knew exactly what you were going to do? I'll let you stew on that one for the next hundred years. It doesn't really matter. Either way, you're going to do what's written in that book. Whether it was your decision or whether God moved you to do it, it doesn't really matter. Because it's already written. But we don't think on these things, do we? We don't fathom the mysteries of God. That everything that I'm ever going to do, good and bad, has already been written. Christians don't like it. Oh, well, you know, I've got freedom of choice. I've got free will. Well, of course you've got free will. But he still knows what you're going to do. And it's already been written what you're going to do with that free will that you think you've got. Hallelujah. Because God's bigger than you and me. And, you know, people are like, well, is it predestination or is it foreknowledge? Who cares? God's got a mind that can cope with both. Maybe for some things it is predestined, but for some things it's foreknown. He's got a mind that can cope with it. As opposed to Christians that can't and either sit into the predestination camp or the, or the foreknowledge camp. Why can it not be both? Hallelujah. So you are called. Now, when you read this scripture, I don't want you to say us. I want you to put your own name in there. God chose Chris Wickland in Christ before the creation of the world. Hallelujah. Before the creation of the world. That means in some crazy way, Everything that is, is all a part of God's cosmic plan. But everything that's a part of God's cosmic plan is ultimately to lead to this one conclusion. And that is we are all chosen to be in his presence. Hallelujah. This week, I've spent uh, the first half of my week at a monastery. Uh, It's uh, Worth Abbey. Okay. This place was amazing. Right? I got to eat with monks, um, although they don't talk, you're not allowed to talk when, you, when you're with monks to eat. Um, but I got to hang around with them. I, I spent all that time with them. I prayed with them. You know, you have to get up and early praying time from like about quarter to six in the morning and they pray six times a day and there's all these different things. But do you know what the, the most interesting thing was in that place? Firstly, the silence was deafening. And secondly, the presence of God was so thick in that place. It was was incredible. The presence of God was thick. And and all these people, all the visitors that come into Worth Abbey, they're like in this, I mean, it's a huge, big auditorium area where you go in for the main services. And people just sit there and they're just like, because the presence of God is so strong. And it was there that I was meditating on this passage 
about that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and without sin in his presence. The ultimate reason why you've been and I have been chosen in Christ is to be in his presence. That's it. All the other stuff is superfluous. What's my calling? What's my ministry? Superfluous. When will I get married? Who am I going to marry? Superfluous. All of these things are secondary and are minor and inconsequential to the most important thing, which is being in the living presence of God. And therefore, as believers, one of the chief things that it is, that it is our chief purpose. I think it's in the Westminster Confession of Faith. It says man's chief aim is to, is to know and glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that is what we're called to do. We're called to enjoy our gods. You know, I enjoy my wife. It's getting quiet in here. It's really quiet. <laughs> I, I enjoy my wife. I like being with her. I enjoy my God. I like being with him and he likes being with me. I think sometimes we, we, we get so lost in being a ring donut. You know, it is like we go round and round and round and round in circles. What can I do to please God? What can I do to please God? What can I do to please God? And the more I do for him, you know, that whole lie about, you know, I used to believe this lie that if you did full time ministry for Jesus, man, you, man, the presence of God would be on you. Well, well that was the biggest lie that I was ever sold because I went, I started going into full time ministry and found it was even worse than, than going to work. And I was like, why was that? Because if you're going to work for Jesus, then you've got to do it his way, not the world's way. And then he taught me about the whole thing about living from a place of rest and not from a place of striving. Living from a place of rest where it comes from relationship with the living, breathing God. Holy Spirit, my love, I pray right now, Lord, please manifest your presence in this room now, my love. Lord, just let your presence come in this room right now. Let your peace descend upon us, Lord, that we may all experience the living presence of the living God. My love, I thank you. My love, I delight in you. You are beautiful. And I rejoice in you and I rejoice in your salvation. Hallelujah. Isn't that nice? All you need to do is develop that place of intimacy with Christ that when you call upon his name, he will manifest his presence. And this is, this is, this is open for everybody. That you could be in a bus stop. And you could just call for the presence of God to come upon you. And you can just rest in his presence. It's not about how high you jump. It's not about how loud you sing. 
but it's about how much you love him and how much you know him. And everything comes from that place. John 17, 3, really important passage of scripture. And kind of like my signature scripture, which I use a lot. For this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God and the one you sent, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life. In other words, this is what it's all about. This is the beginning, this is the end, this is everything else in the, end, in the, in the middle, this is the alpha, this is the omega, this is from eternity past to eternity future. This is what it's about, to know God and to know his son, Jesus Christ. The Greek word therefore know is the same word when a man knows a woman. It is intimately entwined, becoming one with the divine. Now you might think that sounds odd and heretical, but that is the teaching of all of the early church and still is, that the, the purpose of the Christian is to be one with, with, with his God. Why do you think Jesus became like a man so that he could make you like he is. You see, God, you see, thick creatures can only um, elope, so to speak, with their own kind. Yeah? A giraffe with a giraffe. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you get it, right? You know. So, uh, and, and humans with humans. How can God marry the church? unless he first became like us, to make us in some way like him, so that we're of the same kind, not that we're God, but we're made divine because of the spirit within us, so that we can become one with the divine in Christ Jesus. Paul says about this, this is the mystery. He said, I'm not talking about men and women in marriage. He said, I'm talking about the mystery of Christ and the church. You see, you see when people get married, what they are, um, symbolizing and typing and shadowing is the ultimate end when Christ comes back for his church. That is what marriage is about. It is a shadow and a type of the age yet to come. That's why in the next days there's no need for marriage anymore because the type and the shadow has come to pass and the reality is in Christ. And you will have such a perfection in knowing your God that you won't need a husband or a wife anymore because you will be at one with God. And so that's why in this age, marriage is so important, marriage is so sacred, marriage is so special because of what it reveals and what it's pointing to, that intimacy that God is desiring of his people. But you see, you don't have to wait till you die by and by, go to glory for you to get this intimacy with Christ. You don't need to wait to go to glory before you can walk in the presence of Christ. I just, I just gave you an example. I called on the Holy Spirit and his presence manifested here. You can have that all of the time. We can all have this all of the time. And this is God's heart. Do you know what God's heart is breaking right now? Because he just would wish that his bride, I mean, his bride loves him. I mean, she absolutely does love him. But she just doesn't really know him. How many of us can actually honestly say, I know God. I know him. I know the sound of his voice. 
He leads me. He guides me. I hear him daily. I know him. And I love him. And he is my lover and I am his. That, brothers and sisters, is what Christianity is about. I don't care what else you want to tack onto it. I don't care what you think, it, you think it's about. That is what it's about. Jesus came to the earth to make a way to reconcile God to man. Romans 5.1, to make peace with God so that through Christ we can have peace with God. And as from that Ephesians 1 passage, we can see that the purpose of our choosing, the purpose that God has elected us, the purpose that God even wrote our names in the book of life before the foundation of the earth was to know him and be in his presence. That is what all this is about. And if your Christianity and my Christianity isn't based on those principles, then your Christianity is off whack. And you're being a donut with a big hole in the middle. Hallelujah. We're all donuts because we're all a bit dopey. But we, got to, we can either choose to be a donut with a hole in the middle or a donut that is full of Holy Ghost intimacy with God. And I'll conclude today with one more scripture, if I may. And that's uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen race. There's that word again. You've been chosen. A community of priest kings, a consecrated nation, a people God has made his own to proclaim his wonders. You have called to be a kingdom of priests. What do you think priests do all day? Okay, you just even think of your local church. Um, so like where I was at this monastery, what they did each, what they did throughout the day may seem really innocuous and boring. Okay. They come together at certain times of the day and they sing the Psalms. That's it. That's all they do. Pretty much. And a couple of other bits and maybe a Bible reading and a, a one minute homily. That's it. That's all you get. But every time they did so, the presence of God was so strong in that building. You want to know why? Because Christians were doing what they were designed to do. They were acting as priests before their God. And they were ministering praises and sacrifices of worship and adoration and prayers and supplications before their God. And God is pleased in that place then to endow that place with his very presence. Because this is what we should be doing. You see, the church today is a very missional church and it should be but even the church itself is like a donut a ring donut because it thinks its sole purpose is to go out and get the world saved that isn't your sole purpose your sole purpose church and all of the church is to be priests unto God and minister to him in the place of intimacy and then from then and that place and that place alone then do you go out and minister to the world. Lest you be guilty of idolatry where you minister to man in place of ministering to God first. 
God first in all things, in everything, the preeminence in your worship, the preeminence of your tithe, the preeminence of your time, the preeminence of every aspect of your love, in the preeminence of your heart, in the preeminence of your thinking, in the preeminence of everything that you are. For God took on flesh, became very man, and he gave up everything for you and me. And the least we can do is give him back something in return where we lay down our lives and pour it out as a drink offering and we become living sacrifices laid down for our God, that we live for him, but not in a works-based righteousness or a works-based Christianity, but in knowing and loving him. And from that place, everything else finds its form and its solidity and its validity. In the name of Jesus, amen.